0: You're listening to the Saturday Morning DMV Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. A pre-recorded episode of the D&D Show. We're recording this on Friday night, uh, so we're live. But it's <laughs> live for us. Uh, yeah, we're live. Um, but yeah, the night before, just because I had uh, to watch a little boy, uh, my son. Mm-hmm. It's not weird. It's my head to watch my son, and so he <laughs> he was runs around, and it doesn't it doesn't make for good uh, recording in the morning. Don't get um, weird. But we're gonna have a great time. Lots of stuff to talk about. Um, here on the Saturday morning D&D show. I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Hello, how's
1: it going? Hello, everybody. It's great uh, on this Friday evening, or for those of you that are watching this, welcome Sat- to Saturday morning. Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> now, we if should play it at like 5 a.m. Like they used to play the cartoon super early, so people get oh, yeah. up really early. <laughs> like, I gotta watch it live.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was, that reminds me, there was something that uh, somebody was saying they went to their parents' house with their kids. And their parents didn't have like a DVR or anything like that and or mm-hmm. even like streaming services. And the dad was trying to explain to his daughter like, no, like certain shows were on at certain times and you had to sit down and watch it at that time or you couldn't watch it. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, you're lying. Like, what yeah. is like, why would you ever want that? It's like, well, we didn't want it or just dis- want it. It's just what it had. <laughs> that's what it was, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. that's what we had. Yeah. And I thought that was funny that, you know, or the big one is with kids, like it used to cost a nickel to send a text message. And someone's Mm -hmm. like, you're lying. Like why? Like what? (laughs) Um, And just how the world has changed. But uh, we're going to Gen Con. We are. So by uh, this next Saturday, I guess we won't have a show. Um, unless we record something on my phone and upload it. I don't know, which we could. Yeah, um, And that might awesome. be fun too. But yeah, we're going to uh, be at Gen Con and that's going to be super fun. Uh, my... I hope you don't mind staying up late, because my plane definitely lands at, like, 1130 at night. (laughs)
1: So, Mm -hmm. Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine how I'm already excited now, how excited I'm going to be then. I don't even know how I'm going to sleep It doesn't feel real. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm
0: going away next week. I'm just like, what? But I got a new, um, what was it? I got a new uh, suitcase in the mail, um, just because my other one was kind of falling apart. And so, I got, like, a hard shell one that's, like, really good for traveling on and all... It'll fit the the dimensions for carry-on a little better than uh, the mm-hmm. other one that I had. So that'll mm-hmm. be cool.
1: Is that bigger, smaller?
0: Um, it'll hold more, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. But mostly I got it just for, like, the dimensions are right. I don't have to fight with TSR where they're like, well, I don't know if this... Like, should you check that? And I'm like, no, not TSR. Uh, mm-hmm. T... What is the...
1: The TSA, TSA, yeah, we've been yes. looking at so much <laughs> transportation <TSR stuff>. security <laughs> agency. Or um, something? Just
0: the TSA and the airlines and stuff, mm-hmm. because uh, the one I have is just like a duffel bag kind of thing, and. Uh, I think the year, the year, the last time I went, I think I just had like a backpack and mm-hmm. that wasn't enough because coming home, I had all this extra stuff that I was like, oh crap. So I remember yeah. that.
1: <laughs> well, the other, I, I was going to say again, another option for you is you can buy a ton of stuff. I can bring it home and I can just ship it over. To
0: yeah. You that's, and, and I noticed they and... had like a mail thing the last time I was <laughs> they there. Did like, there. did you buy stuff? We'll ship it for you. And I was like, that's yeah. clever. So I might do that. We'll see how much I buy, but usually I'm just buying books and then I read them on the way home. I'm going to bring EZD6, oh, yeah. and I'll bring an adventure, and, like, I'll run you, and then we just got to find some other people who want to play with us, so I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll, we'll find, find somebody. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it'll be good. Yes. Um, I'm very excited. So we're going to be right there, next next to the convention center. It's going to be so fun. I've got tickets to a couple of games. But was I was going to ask. Yeah. I don't have my badge. Is a press badge that I apparently have to pick up. So hopefully it's there waiting for me. They say it is, but the fact I that they wouldn't right mail it to me makes me a little like spooked. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't have to wait in the big line. They said it's in like a different yeah. office, so I just have to go flash my... You
1: know, when I did the games for Monty Cook and then I did the games for um, for the Masks, because yeah. I was running those games, I had to go to the, another hotel where they were doing all their sessions and pick my badge up there. And that felt weird because you're like, I'm going to this convention, but I got to go where to get my badge, yeah. and nobody else is going there to get their badge. And all of a sudden, yeah. am I going to get there and it's not there, or they're out of them, or something? But they were always really good about it—had yeah. your badges and everything right there. No, so I'm it sure awesome. it's fine. I've just never done this before, but uh, yeah. uh, I
0: was like, <laughs> no, I've—I I mean, I applied for a press badge last year, last time, but they—I uh, did ended up not going. Um, mm-hmm. But it's—it's it's nice, and it, honestly, it's so expensive for me to fly out there that it's really nice to save the hundred dollars on a badge. Yeah and yep. it's kind of a drop in the bucket to the whole trip but it's like mm-hmm. it's just another little
1: incentive for me to go in the first
0: place so
1: yeah the first couple times i went i was i was going on a budget so that's why i was looking for games that i could you know like oh they're going to pay give me a 4 day badge so i can be there and yeah. I'm not going to run these games and some of them were sometimes if you did it if you worked at a booth you might they might even get hotel room stuff so i was looking for those a lot well, nowadays like that's yeah. it. I'm, I'm ready to go just out of fun. But <laughs>
0: No, I, I almost did this uh when we oh. were looking for hotels because Goodman Games was they're like, mm-hmm. We're looking for somebody who will work our booth. Uh we'll get you a badge and a hotel, but like mm-hmm. no um there's no payment. They're not, your... not gonna pay yeah. for anything. But I was like, you. Oh man, like I would have done that in a heartbeat. Like
1: God. uh except not now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you're talking, if you're not like right there, which obviously would be super expensive, and we've talked about this before, but let's say you're more moderate, so you're out like if I could in the drive outer in, area, area yeah, and you yeah. drive in, you're still spending probably 500 bucks for that hotel, maybe 50 to 100 for parking, depending on how far you're willing to yeah. walk, and then, you know, food and hanging out and the stuff you're going to buy. So you're, you're walking yep. away with a lot of money. So if somebody picks your badge up, somebody picks your room up, that means all your money goes to games well, That's what I was huge. <laughs> and food, but yeah, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. I was like,
0: this is going to be yeah. great. So, yeah. so, uh, say hi to us. We'll be running around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. So I'm really excited.
1: It's going to be a cool experience for us too, because I feel like this time we're both closer than we've ever been. We're going to be 0. 0.7 miles oh, from walking it. Distance so like three blocks, convention. you know, yeah. You know we're going to see, you know, where everybody's walking down the sidewalks. That's right where we are. And then we're just going to walk right up and then boom, we're there. We can be there as late as we want. We can stay at all go to all those restaurants all night long and just hang out with people and then just walk right back to the hotel and it's going to be so good. Um not that driving in in the hotel we stayed in wasn't bad before, but I think this is going to be cool.
0: So. No, but also like I felt like when I was staying with well, even when I was walking home like late at mm-hmm. night the last time I went. But the first year I stayed with you, there was a mm-hmm. part of me that was like well, if Lucian's driving home, like, I don't really want to buy a, a Uber later, so I'll, like, catch a ride with you. But right. sometimes I was like, oh, I just want to, like, take a quick nap so I can rally in the evening because I know more stuff <laughs> is going to be happening. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw that a uh, friend and uh, Jordan is a fan of Judge James will be there, so that'll be fun to say yes. hi to him again. Um and chat all about games and everything else. It's really I wonder cool. what...
1: He usually runs games for somebody. I wonder what he's doing if he's yeah. into DCC this year. Because for a few years, he was big into all the Monty Cook stuff. And then he was doing all the DCC stuff. Yeah. I wonder what he's doing right now. He, I don't know. He usually volunteers for something. I
0: think he's playing a Savage Lands game. I, like I think yeah. that's what he's playing at his house. Um, hmm. But I don't know what he's going to run for Gen Con. So, who knows? Interesting. Interesting. I'm not in any... Buddy's games that i know of because by the time i signed up for games it was like slim Pickens. but yeah but i think uh Mon- i think goodman games is going to have like a big uh area of just like dcc go crazy so you could probably mm-hmm. just walk up and be like i'll run a funnel like who
1: cares so yeah. well do you remember we went and we we got invited to play in a game and uh we went to the hotel the marriott across the street we went up like one or two floors and then we walked into that big open room and it was a yeah. like table after table on like third floor or fourth floor of the Marriott. Mm-hmm. I just got a message. They said that they've opened that up again. And it's all open gaming. You just grab a spot and you can go game in that giant cavernous. Oh, room. that's great because so that's like we less want to run known, games well or, or, too. Yeah, and so, yeah. Yeah. You can just go over there and we could pick a spot and say, Hey, you know, bring your card, bring your magic cards, or bring your board oh, games. Oh, that's right! I gotta bring build your a magic D6 deck. D six Yeah, or we could buy some while we're there. You oh, that's true. We could do that. Here. We've sealed deck draft, mm-hmm. or you know, I don't know all the rules, but <laughs> we could build decks while we're there, Jordan. We could.
0: <laughs> so. Uh So, so super excited. Uh, yeah, I fly out
1: Wednesday, and then. So it is late. That there. was one thing I wanted to know. Just not not because I was. I didn't know if I. You're gonna Uber over, or you want me to come try to get you? I'll or probably Uber. Probably works. Like, okay. I mean, it's late, but if you want to come pick me up, we'll talk.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. So, Let's I see. think I land at like eleven fifteen or eleven thirty.
1: I'll have to double check,
0: but um,
1: I'll will message because I don't know what the exact parking situation is, and true. I feel like I want to park the car and leave it. Yeah. So that I'm not having to pay every single day like we normally do if right. I can avoid it, but. We'll figure it out. We'll yeah. figure it. We'll, I don't mind newbering, we'll, That's what I was going to do. Yeah.
0: Um, so there's this thing called Spelljammer. It's coming out in three weeks.
1: We talk about it all um, the time, and we are, love it. Are you
0: excited? <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, I'm very yeah. excited. I see um, they made a couple more videos, uh, specifically on the Hadoozy, which was interesting. Space so, monkey. Yeah, they space were from simians. Star Frontiers, which was another TSR product that wizards absorbed when they bought TSR. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Hadouzi are in Spelljammer, but I guess they were originally in Star Frontiers, which was their like sci-fi game they were working on that was short-lived. I don't really know a lot about Star Frontiers, but I don't know.
1: Sounds cool. Star yeah, Frontiers,
0: but really cool uh, videos. They did three videos on the Hadouzi, the Plasmoids, and the Autognomes. Uh, the Autognomes and the Plasmoids being the first time that you have a uh, these are the first time their races available in Dungeons and Dragons. Before they were just mm-hmm. monsters. So really cool. Spelljammer monsters.
1: What I like about those videos, too, is you get Chris Perkins, but you also get Jeremy Crawford's kind of they they both have their takes on what they were doing. Thoughts behind some of the stuff they were doing and some of the history that they looked into and that kind of stuff. So it was nice to see two kind of viewpoints coming in on when they were doing that video. And we were joking because uh, we were talking about it in our Tuesday night game, which I'm sure we'll get to. And we were all joking like, Now I want to run a campaign where your Spelljammer ship, Jordan, crashes next to Waterdeep, and when you get out, Waterdeep is all Hadozi. Oh, like Planet of the Apes. It's the Planet of the (laughs) Hadozi. Yeah, and you're like, what did you do? (laughs) They blew it up. (laughs) They blew it up. Why? Why? Oh, man.
0: Then we have to incorporate uh, the Planet of the Apes
1: musical from The Simpsons, which is one of my favorite
0: bits that they've ever done, so... Yeah.
1: Before I was thinking cuz they had said there's there's an influence there of that. But my influence for kind of like a space simian, space anytime you're going to use like a a monkey or ape or thing mm-hmm. like that. I read a great series many years ago by David Brin, which Uplift series, and it was talking about many years in the future where humanity has used science to increase the intelligence of animals that exist here on the planet and the Mm -hmm. very first one they do that with is the chimpanzee and they uplift them to be as smart as just like we are and they become their own normal kind of sentient race that shares the planet with us and and it was a really cool thing and then they they do it again and they do it with the dolphins next so then they create a dolphin uplifted race and they create a spaceship that's going to have a crew of Dolphins and humans and and the chimpanzees, yeah, chimpanzees. But I think they had different names for them too. Like they gave them names that weren't, so they weren't the animals anymore, but they were the uplifted race at this point. And then what happens in that story, spoilers, is we stumble into the rest of the galactic world out there, who's been leaving us alone until we. Apparently, the way it works is everybody leaves you alone until you uplift another species and bring them to. An intelligence level, and that shows that you're technologically ready to join the galactic. Oh, that's your warp signature? Yeah, that's your warp signature event. Yeah, Yeah, so they they stumble upon, and then everybody's like, wait a minute, they did two of them, not just one? No no race has ever done that, you know, (laughs) and and they find about this history. It's really good. Look it up, David Brin. I always thought it was a really cool. And it takes place from, I think it's the first spaceship that's captained by one of the uplifted dolphins and that's why it's a special ship at that point point. Mm-hmm. and it's about the adventures of that ship and what goes on and, and they call it the uplift wars because of course we cause all kinds of craziness and wars happen at that point but i really liked it david brin really good book really good set and that's what i think of when i think of like the Hadozi. i was thinking oh that's a really cool idea like uplifted animals or creatures that now have intelligence that's been raised is high or even higher than ours and in mm. fact the characters in there like the i think the doctor is a chimpanzee uplifted chimpanzee and his intelligence is way above anybody else's human on that ship <laughs> this is like when they uplifted them they went you know above and beyond on the intelligence yeah. chart so it was like they're even smarter <laughs> so now what so it was it was very interesting so i don't know if anybody in chat has has read those maybe they have so hmm, check them out i liked it so, plasmoids. Huh? Yeah, I'm excited. Which, so, what do
0: you want to play in plasmoids? Spider-Man? Plasmoid. I, that's me too. <laughs> yeah. I like the plasmoids yeah, yeah. the most. Um, somebody on the internet was saying it would be fun to play a plasmoid with the uh, mask of many faces warlock ability. So you literally mm-hmm. were a shape changer because the plasmoid itself can shape change into various objects. But then, mm-hmm. then with that, you could make yourself look like other people. Um, and I think that would be a really fun. Kind of spy assassin build mm-hmm. to play, you
1: know. I love the I, I love the slimes just and Odo. the gelatinous cubes the and the black puddings. <laughs> that yeah, Odo, uh, black puddings and things. But I also like. I think I like it more the idea that you're vaguely humanoid, but you're still kind of a rounded shape, right? You yeah. know, you're you're close, or you do it so that you know people are more comfortable around you. But and you can have your utility belt and your gear, and you can still use stuff, but in reality you don't have to have that shape yeah. or use that shape i just love that idea of that type of a person and just stuff inside you that you're slowly absorbing as your your nutrients or whatever just you know you're a gelatinous that a pineapple just like floating and... around in the <laughs> chest
0: to it. it's yeah, a snack it's
1: really your apple core is in there ah, yeah. an apple
0: How the autonomes are interesting because they're they're going to be small but i wonder if that's going to be a template to create a construct uh character that's not Warforged, you know, that's, like this yeah, was that's... really interesting that it's like for this setting, it kind of makes sense to have Warforged be the robot of the crew, but they, they are not, that's strictly an Eberron thing. And we're going to go revert yeah. back to this Autonome stuff. Although I totally see the point of, they're never going to say outright, but it's going to be that, you know, if you want to play like uh, a Warforged, I'm sure it'll work out in some way. And, yeah. thinking back to strixhaven they said the same thing like if you want to play any other race it can really work in strixhaven but here are the ones that we recommend and i feel
1: like we're going to get a similar thing with that well i know what chris perkins said in that video is they wanted to make a construct playable character but the difference from the war forge is that it was a fully mechanical whereas the war forge i believe is part they've mechanic. got like uh it's a magical creation that right, has something uh, else like
0: tree roots and stuff for arteries and things yeah. like that yeah and it's... so the
1: Autonomes were going to be your r2d2 your cp3o gotcha. your fully mechanical fully made by something else but is now i think sentient or, mm. or works and gives you the chance to be the robot or the i guess android data would be yeah. another example of of something like that they said from the star trek point of view and i think that's kind of cool too just the the idea that you can have an r2d2 style character i think is just fun and just it also cool makes
0: idea. me really happy in all those interviews that chris perkins is a star trek fan because yeah. i am a star trek fan and he talks he's like well when star trek and he'd always kind of like revert back to that <laughs> because he's like i want to yeah. run a fantasy
1: star trek game and yeah. so or clockwork. I, they never mentioned yeah. it, but I thought this is perfect for all the type of clockwork stuff that's out there. And yeah, there's some really so. cool clockwork assassins and clockwork warriors and, you know, just all these kind of cool, cool things. And they don't have to be like the same type of magic constructs where you get your elementals or your shield guardians or things like that, but more of like your full on, you know, or, hey, who doesn't want to play a Modron, right? Yeah.
0: I, well, I would and they were, that's kind of yeah. like an Oda. I don't
1: know. <laughs> yeah, they
0: were saying that uh, or i was reading up the history on autonomes and they were originally created by the gnomes to go into places that were too hostile for gnomes oh, so it is it idea. is like oh this is a planet of poisonous gas but it has resources or something we need mm-hmm. send the autonomes they'll do the work and then we're good to go um, mm-hmm. not so much like sending them to their destruction but just like they're very suited for hostile environments yeah. and, and they could be configured for so, that yeah. yeah
1: yeah i could see that that's so, cool pretty cool oh, I'm,
0: I'm i'm excited i think it's going to be a fun read um i've been also reading through uh radiant citadel and really enjoying that um it's been a lot of fun that that book and it's weird because a lot of the adventures are shorter
1: mm-hmm. but
0: i think that's almost better like i really do feel like you could run one or two of the like one a night and just have like a solid way experience with it. Yeah. So yeah, the more I'm reading it, the more I'm getting that vibe and I kind of just like it, so.
1: Yeah, it felt like a session. Like you could get, you know, and probably a four hour, you know, yeah. maybe not necessarily a two or a three if you're doing like a Twitch show where a lot of people kind of keep that a little bit less. But like you're doing a regular, people are coming over four or five hours, yeah. you know, and everybody's hanging out at the table. That's That seemed like the perfect size yeah. for that, so. Well, where... with uh,
0: Spelljammer coming out, I wanted to talk a little bit about Campaign settings because uh, mm-hmm. there is, and I'll put a link down below. But there is a uh, a gentleman that has gotten a lot of information from the TSR days back in the day, and he mm-hmm. has uh, uploaded all of these graphs of like sales data. And oh, yeah. uh, it's kind of it's interesting because it's like what books sold the most. And so from 1979 to 1990, the Advanced Dungeons of Dragon. Uh, did the PHB, it shows the player handbook sales and the dungeon master's guide sales. And it says like, you know, the, the player player's handbook sales peaked in 1981. And then by 1989 was just a sliver of what it used to be, you know, like under, probably under 10,000, <laughs> and so it's just like, well, yeah, like, and that's why I think they look at that and they're just like, we need a new edition of D and D like, who knows, mm-hmm. um, But somebody, uh, actually it was Sly Flourish and a bunch of other people were talking about this, um, that they're in this data. One of the things they released was the TSR campaign setting sales from 79 to 1990. So over the course of all of these years, it shows like, okay, we release the Greyhawk setting. That sells really well. And then we release uh, Lankmar. doesn't sell very good. But like Mm -hmm. Dragonlance and the Forgotten Realms, all of those kind of key things that TSR owns, which really lends to my belief that a lot of us want to play in this shared world in a way, or maybe Mm -hmm. that's what, uh, we were talking before the show started, but people didn't know how to build a custom world. So it was very like, I want to play in the Forgotten Realms because that is what TSR is providing me. Mm -hmm. Um, And interestingly enough, TSR, uh, or the Forgotten Realms, was the highest selling in 1987 out of all of these together. So it sold the most. Released in 1987. I shouldn't say they sold the most in 1987. Um, And I'll put it up on the screen here. Uh, Lucian can't see this, but I I got a Mm -hmm, picture mm -hmm. of it that I can put up for people to see. So after that... Spelljammer, Ravenloft, uh, Mastika, which did not do well, uh, Dark Sun, Alcadim of the Forgotten Realms, which is kind of its own separate thing, Uh, Planescape, Mm -hmm. um, and then Red Steel, which I've never heard of, uh, and then Birthright. So a lot of these come out. uh, And then what they were saying is that this was the fall of TSR, is that they made all these different campaign settings and then they were trying to support every single one with supplements but the thing is, is like if I play Ravenloft, uh, that's great. I'm gonna go buy the new Ravenloft book, maybe you know, unless I'm having fun without it. But it's like, oh, the new Ravenloft book. I'll go buy that. But am I gonna buy the new Dark Sun book? Well, no, I don't. I don't play in Dark Sun. I play in Ravenloft, so I don't need mm-hmm. that book. I want this book, and for them being overworked and pumping out all of these books, because in their minds, they're like, well, we have to support all of these different things. So all these adventures come out specifically for that setting and all of these supplement books specifically for that setting. I wonder if they thought, oh, this is going to sell more of the core book because people will see, like, they'll see, oh, another Mm -hmm. Eberron book. I better go play. I better go buy this. Uh, And ultimately, they were losing money on all the books they were making and I'll uh, put our faces
1: back on. Yeah, I uh, what do see trap.
0: Yeah. Do you see that I mean, trap? I see it
1: because like you're, at some point we're there, right? We're in the meeting and we're like, okay, we've got these three setting books out there, but when we look at the numbers for last month, they're kind of going down. And somebody could easily say in that meeting, well, if we just supported them and we put some more exactly, products out, then yeah. people will want to keep going. But what you really were doing was splintering your audience yeah. to the point that it made all of them bring each other down instead of raising each other up, right? Yeah. It wasn't supporting each other that all of these, because everybody was a fan of maybe one of those, but it was probably rare for somebody to be a fan of two or three of them yeah. and want to buy all of them. So yeah, I, but you wouldn't know, I, on the surface, you might not know that right away. Like you wouldn't know it till- you're I think in this is hindsight of, 100%. Yeah. yeah, but it,
0: it does not- Um, current 5e with Wizards of the Coast, Mm -hmm. thinking about this, there's so many people that are chomping at the bit, like, release this campaign setting, and do this one, and why don't this... And then people, myself included, and then people are saying, like, why isn't there more Eberron content? This sucks. Like, you released a really good book, and now there's nothing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think they know that they're like, well, if we make another Eberron book, that's not going to make the first book sell more. Nobody's going to buy the first book Uh, Mm -hmm. because the second book came out. So literally, we're taking all of this time and energy, putting it into a book that a fraction of our fans is going to even think about purchasing it. it. And I think about that. I was like, you're absolutely right. Like, if they came out with another
1: Strixhaven book, I don't think I'd buy it. or take it a little bit to the extreme so let's say we walk into our game store and at this point they have 12 books for dark sun 12 books for ravenloft 12 books for forgotten realms and you're the dungeon master because there's so many in that line you pick a line i'm not gonna buy 24 books yeah now if there was only three books i could make a case where i'm a dungeon master i might pick up the three but now if i've got a line of six or seven or eight books i'm gonna stay in that lane buy those books because there's enough of them. But I'm really getting splintered off from everybody else and their sales numbers. So yeah. it's very that's and very I, interesting. I think, yeah, I think, I think. But I want more settings. I do. I also want more
0: settings. <laughs> I like that. Ad- I like this idea as well. Um, but the, the idea that I could take a lot of the settings that, not the settings, but a lot of the adventures that 5e has released mm-hmm. and a kind of apply them to my own world or things like that. Um, I think if they do setting books again, it's going to be very like, let's address um, a function of play in a way. And mm-hmm. so it's like, especially for Eberron, the majority of that Eberron book was the city of, um, oh, I forget the name of it. Uh, Sp- Sp- Spire? Shar. Sh- no. Shar. Sharn? Sharn. I think it was Sharn.
1: We've read so many now. There's so many cities in our heads. Yeah, I think it's Sharn, right? Yeah,
0: it is. Sharn, City of Towers. So uh, a lot of that was about Sharn, and so looking at it from that, I could take Sharn and put it in any kind of world I want to. Um, Mm -hmm. Radiant Citadel was a great example where all of those were really complete little worlds that I can put in any of my... Mm -hmm. Like, I could run it as one-shots, but I could also just sprinkle it into my existing world, whether that's uh, Forgotten Realms or not. And mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the future. With Spelljammer, their idea was let's not f- like, let's use this campaign setting, but really we're going to focus on the idea of travel. Like, how do we make travel from different things um, interesting and sailing mm-hmm. the astral sea? So it's not so much a uh, boxed in campaign setting like. Planescape was, or other, th- or even Spelljammer was. I think it's going to be this like, if my players want to travel to the moon, now I can do it, and we can have an interesting way of getting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it from a business standpoint, it makes a lot of sense the direction they're going. And after seeing this, I'm getting uh, I'm looking at the 5e line of books with new eyes. And everything feels very calculated and safe as opposed to before where I'm like, if they would just release Dark Sun, they would make so much
1: money. Well, Mm -hmm. no, you know. (laughs) Well, and I think one thing we talked a tiny bit about just before the show started, too. I do believe there's this um, mentality shift from back then in TSR 80s days to now. And it's been... um, encouraged by wizards of the coast now to say back then canon was important almost and like when you were making the setting even inside the books i don't recall them saying hey but if you like greyhawk you could probably put this over in the mountains of this if you like uh dark sun maybe put this in the deserts of the waste because that would fit here they didn't really i don't think now i could be wrong but i don't remember I, that i've read they, a lot and i don't think that they have i think yeah, right, whereas it's now right. you always see that yeah. like they always mention it and, and radiant citadel is is huge with it because every one of those says hey you've got a can a Greyhawk campaign then this would fit in this spot or here or hey you're running you know this other camp, Eberron, and you this would fit great in this part, of, uh, this part of Eberron or Birthright or whatever. So I think they do a better job now of encouraging and reminding Dungeon Masters that you can use any book and bring it into your campaign. You don't have to say, I'm only doing Dark Sun or I'm only doing this or that. And, and the canon has been watered down or, or made not as important. Whereas the you know the grognards were always about if I'm in Greyhawk I want to play well, Greyhawk had, don't yeah. you bring your dark sun over here they had the idea <laughs> of the living worlds too like
0: there yeah. were people playing these games that were all over the all over the United all over the world mm-hmm. and then every month or something Third-year they would games. tally the results of what happened and it would have game like lore changing effects that would then mm-hmm. go into effect and so so that uh, locks which, you
1: in yeah, to the same which world
0: is a, a really cool idea. But uh, when you think about it from like a, a marketing, book selling point of view, you're like, oh, you're right. Because all you're doing is alienating new people who are just like, so I have to yeah. read like seven books to really understand Catch what's up. happening. And like, Ooh. there's a reason that the starter set is like, you're in a village, play, yeah. like here you go. Um, but then there, you know, Mike, and, and that's coming from me, a whole channel, a whole YouTube channel dedicated to try and figuring out this lore so that I could play in a Forgotten Realms game. Uh, now I'm seeing the other side of it where you're like, oh, I guess you're right, you know? And and we were talking now that a lot of people probably play in their own worlds more now than they ever did before. Because I don't Mm -hmm. think we understood that you could make your own world. I mean, people did, but uh, it was like, oh, like, it's a game. Oh, this book helps me run a game. You know, like how often are you like, we're going to play Monopoly, but I'm actually going to call it this and we're going to play it like that or something. So yeah.
1: Alternate version rules of Monopoly. We have seven different ones. Yeah. So
0: (laughs) I don't know. It was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting read. And I, I would like to talk about this more, but I, I think I need to put my thoughts together a little bit better (laughs) too. Um, but the fall of TSR was potentially uh, the amount of campaign settings they made, and trying to support too many lines of books, you know. I would throw one more thing
1: out there too. They they were going more quantity at the end, and the quality, I believe, was diminishing. I'm sure, yeah. So I do think there's a a thing, a part of that, and think of also until you get a rules change or a new edition, your front few years are built with rules books, and everybody wants to get those, and but after that. You're doing options books, right? Yep. And so at that point, you're moving into a different spot. And we're in that now with 5e. We are pretty much in the options spot. And we very could well be looking at the downward spiral of 5e until whatever else comes out, 6 or whatever. Because you you can, it's only going to go for so long before they have to say all right, new rule system, here we go, because then everybody's buying those books again. Everybody comes back for those. As you get into the options mode, everybody's just buying certain options, but not all options. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, they could be falling into the same trap, even knowing the information they know now. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Stay. We'll see. We'll see. Crazy.
1: Um, this was
0: something, uh, Cook Games, a uh, Kickstarter that we both backed. One of our um, favorite companies. The PDF came out today. And yes. the physical book as well, but I had to, like, when I right, finished the finished buying the PDF or using my free coupon or whatever because I mm-hmm. did the back Kickstarter, um, I paid for shipping for my book, so it'll be here in, like, a week or maybe less or more, who knows. Um, mm-hmm. But Planesbreaker came out, and yes. this is very uh, fortuitous that it's coming out as Spelljammer is also coming out. Because I feel like having this book and the Spelljammer books is going to be really awesome. Um, t- You've read a little bit more than I have, but tell us about Planesbreaker. Like, what what is this?
1: I, yeah, so uh, the very first thing I liked, although look at that artwork on page 40, 49. I don't even know if you can snip it and show the people. Oh, I probably that can. But... Thing. That artwork on page 49 is so good. But the cool thing that was evocative to me, and Planesbreaker is this idea of there's this... Celestial like moon planet thing, not sphere but roundish, that is going from plane to plane. And when we read it in the Kickstarter, it was just this idea that we understood it could go from one plane to another plane to another plane. We're like, all right, Mm -hmm. this is how we could go from Dark Sun to this to Dragonlance to all this stuff, and it would be cool. And it's all 5e based, and you know, it's going to be cool. And Monty Cook's all about it. But then when I actually opened it and I just kind of read that very first part of what the actual plane breaker is. It's like a a five mile object that when it's usually about a mile above the plane it's visiting It stays about on average 48 hours or maybe a little bit more. It has its own gravity. It has an atmosphere. But the idea that it's moving slow over whatever plane Mm. it's on. So if it's going over water deep or it's going over the deserts of dark sun or something. It's moving at about seven miles an hour. I hadn't thought of that before. When I was thinking about it, I was thinking of like a shooting comet and then things, you know, like there was all kinds of cool stuff you could do. I didn't think about a slow moving object that you have 48 hours to jump off of, do whatever you're going to do adventuring wise, and then get back on it before it leaves again. You know, that blew my mind when I read just that piece. And I'm like, now we have something we can really dive into because that's, that's a cool option. If your players are based there and your campaign is on that, imagine how your sessions are going to work because you can be like, well, you only get 48 hours. So they can't stay too long. Mm -hmm. They can't, goof around they can't decide they're gonna you know do things that are gonna lengthen your campaign out they have to get back on on the planes breaker but then there's also the path and the path seems to be a another way to go along what the plane breaker has created like a path that can also be followed if even if you're not on the plane breaker this is the way i'm reading it so it looks like there's two ways in this book that you can move from plane to plane to plane. Yeah. And it sounds like it, even as you're striding, you're shifting, you're seeing the planes change, you know, that quickly when you're on the path, but the plane breaker is moving slower. So you have kind of two two modes is the way I'm reading it. And I've only glossed over it. So if I've got some yeah, of it- we, running, we got it like a couple okay. hours before we're <laughs> yeah. recording, but yeah.
0: no, uh, there's monsters. There's a few uh, subclasses that I didn't remember being there. I kind of just backed it because I like Monty Cook's brain. I think he creates really interesting stuff. And this is for 5E. I think they're also going to make it for their system, uh, Cypher, at some point. But um, it's just a traveling uh, comet that is a, it's basically a planet, but it's so, it's it's smaller. So it's kind of like a a big, weird city Mm -hmm. that does just phase in and out of these different planes. And so you have a lot of the, Uh, You you could use the base planes of the Planescape of like Forgotten Realms, but he's added a whole bunch of his own as well. And I just think it's really interesting. So this, this could be cool because you could see this, you could hop on it with your spell jammer, shift out of something and like, oh, where am I now? We have to fly somewhere else and who knows, like go back through the Astral Street to try and get home because you accidentally hitched a ride on the plane breaker but
1: yeah yeah. listen to this too like the plane breaker is a moon-sized structure of unknown provenance Planar debris sleets across it as it tears through the dimensions. The accumulated residue of previously visited dimensions adheres to the moon's surface, creating the sea of uncertainty. It just <laughs> sounds cool, yeah? yeah. Just like just that was enough to make me go, I now I have a campaign, I'm ready to go. <laughs> no, he's he, very I cool. just
0: yeah, he makes the greatest stuff. Like I just love artwork I love this, is yeah.
1: fantastic. The
0: art's really good. A lot of money cook, they they never Monte Cook Games does not skimp on art, and they do a great job. Yeah. Um, so, the layout
1: looks good. Yeah. I like the color of the pages. Those little symbols there, those little tokens on page 10 look really good. I'm really oh, excited to, so see, um, uh, to get the physical book, because I like reading physical books more than
0: PDFs. Yeah. So it's going to be good. Well, but, yeah.
1: Talk about some of the classes, or name the classes, at least. We won't go into them too. Oh, deep. yeah, 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 the so na- go back to the uh, table of as far as subclasses,
0: there's a fighter martial archetype called Chaos Blade. Um, nice. And I don't know much about it. It looks like you have a, a fancy blade that does crazy stuff. Um, but if somebody says, what yeah. are you? And
1: you're like, I'm a chaos blade. That sounds pretty badass. But yeah, it's <laughs> like uh,
0: <laughs> beings who's shown to learn. Like, yeah, chaos blade, you develop your ability through stuff. I don't know. Um, so you get a weapon of chaos and things like that. Uh, there's a divine domain called the multiverse domain. that looks really cool. With some new spells that are called like Fey Crossing and Bind to Dimension, which is kind of cool. So there's new spells Mm -hmm. and stuff as well. Um, There's a a rogue archetype called Shadow Stitched that just looks cool. The Incarnates. That's in there. And a a wizard called the Defacer Wizard. So you get a mask and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited. And then there's a bunch of new feats, um,
1: and some new spells as well. So yeah, one new option. To Learn the ways of the chaos blade, chaos blade, weapons of chaos, chaotic sheath, mm-hmm. chaos surge, wings of chaos. Oh, wow, this sounds new super magic cool.
0: items. There's a really fun one, uh, here called the hood of tentacles. <laughs> um, you get uh, four extra style or extra stylized lengths of fabric that resemble tentacles are on this the top of it, and you can cast detect thoughts with this. <laughs> and
1: so, it's kind of fun. Oh the shadow thief is kind of like your shadow helps you out. It's kind of like a yeah. Kind of like the that interacts um, with the world. The, the, the Echo Knight, Echo Knight. Or yeah. Yeah. But I think there is another one that's a shadow based one in there. I was thinking Echo Knight I guess could be considered a shadow. There's the Whisper Bard. There
0: is something. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh go check it out. It's I mean, I think you can buy it on their website at this point. So it's Plane Breaker, Path of the Plane Breaker. I'm really excited.
1: Wizard Arcane Traditions, Defacer, mm-hmm. Crow Familiar, Faceless Mask, Aberrant Mask, Erase Face. <laughs> this sounds interesting. Artwork looks crazy. Grove of Crows. Very cool. Very cool. I can't I wait to read it. through it all. We just got it today. I just I saw the email come through, and I'm like, yes, download. <laughs>
0: I realized we started later than normal, and I was trying to wrap this up by eight o'clock, but we still have like 20 minutes, so I don't need to be. So oh yeah, fast. you were looking at so, the clock. Yeah, now. you're like, oh, I'm to so go. Gotta go. <laughs> I was like, well, we got to talk through this. Um, so yeah, but I I think this would work really well with Spelljammer. Obviously, I don't know because I haven't read the Spelljammer books yet. But um, this is one of those things that I. Have been adding to my world of Endegar. So uh, I haven't really told you this either, Lucian, but like I've still been working on that as I, as because it's just fun, even though I have never played a game using my Endegar world yet. But rather than trying to be like, well, maybe this is a setting I can publish one day, I got rid of that idea and I'm like, I'm just going to pull in all the things that I think is cool and kind of build a place for it in Endegar. So I, started like, oh, I've got this really cool zine for the OSR that's about a haunted forest. Well, now I have a haunted forest in my world, and I know where it is on the map, and if they visit it, I have this resource that's linked to a PDF. And so my my database of Endegar is becoming uh, very large and like full of all kinds of crazy stuff coming in and out of it that I could do. And I think this is one of those things, like maybe once every thousand years the plane breaker comes by and so oh look it's a fortuitous night and here it is you know or like they find weird cave paintings of people uh drawing this thing in the sky the celestial event like how cool would that be so Mm -hmm.
1: well and there is an adventure in this so Mm -hmm. you could play the tyrant's key uh i'll read the a duke of hell forged a masterpiece of destruction a massive flying battlecraft able to cross the plains called the tyrant of war <laughs> that just sounds cool and then there's a whole synopsis of what the adventure is you're going to planes hop on some stuff that's just cool that's that makes me think of like warhammer 40k and and warhammer mm-hmm. stuff when you start to bring in chaos and and mm-hmm. spaceships and things like that or big big battleships oh that's so Oh and good. it
0: looks uh sorry just at the very last page um they are going to keep supporting this cuz it says early 2023 they're going to have a Planner Bestiary to go along with this, oh, cool. um, and then uh, Plane Breaker player options. Yeah.
1: So more more player options if you wanted to actually like make this your campaign And I setting. think when I went to get this, I had more coupons for other stuff, and I think that might have been some of the stretch goals. So I don't know if there was more adventures or more things, or if that was from one of my other Monty Cook.
0: Because oh, I do almost all of Monty
1: Cook, yeah, like everything they put out, I pretty much. There were taste. some STL files that were given out for free, um, oh, and for for playing yeah, miniatures,
0: miniatures, yeah, right? yeah, 3D yeah. print miniatures. So I I did get those. That might be one of the things oh. you got. Let me so.
1: look at what I got because I got. The Night of Dissolution. This is a great oh, audio Tolis. podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're just like, what are you guys doing? Uh, oh, these are Tolis ones. Remember when I did the oh, Kickstarter for Tolis, Tolis. Tolis? There you go. The Baron, the Bane Warrens. This is underneath the, the city of Tolis. And then what was the other one I just downloaded? Oh, yeah. Return of the Ebon Hand. Another adventure for Tolis. So I got three adventures. So they that proves that they do like to support the products they, they put out because mm-hmm. Tolis came out as a book, but then here was three more things that came out. So mm-hmm. I imagine they're see...
0: following the, the bad things that TSR did. They're going to, they're yeah. going to split up their,
1: you know, I loved reading Tolus, man. That was so good too. That's and another thing where you could version that book
0: or that city oh. in your, in your thing, but yeah, that's a huge that was... campaign
1: setting. So, yeah, I still want to try it. That's so good.
0: It would be good. You know, um, Judge James ran Tolis, and I think he said overall he really liked, like, the world, and he liked Tolis, he just didn't like 5e, and he switched out, but...
1: Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, he does like the other yeah. games a lot. He likes, you know, he, he's very eclectic. So he, he dove into Cypher for a while, and he dove into um, DCC Hardcore for a while. And now we, I think we were even talking, he's what, Savage Lands now at the yeah. moment, or Deadwood, something like that right now. Well, speaking of
0: Dungeon Crawl Classics, and everyone can take a drink. Um, yes, please. I uh, a drink with you. I played Dungeon Crawl Classics this weekend, or this, uh, uh, two days ago on Wednesday. You played or ran it? or I ran it, sorry. Gotcha. Um, and I ran it with a zine that I bought a while ago that was system neutral called Pungent Quest, where you're, mm-hmm. uh, they randomly fall into a dungeon, um, but it is completely filled of puns. And so everything's oh, like, course. it's just really funny, um, <laughs> but it's a fun system. And so I the day before I went through and all of the monsters that they could potentially fight, I found DCC versions of them. And I put them mm-hmm. in, and I'm like, okay, now that I have those monsters, if I run this and we randomly roll up whatever they have, I can take that and, and do X, Y, and Z. Uh, one character did go down to zero, but they hey. healed her up just in time so that she didn't die-die. Uh, but we had a great time. Like, my, they thought it was the funniest thing. Like, everyone was, everyone was trying to figure <laughs> out the pun. Because a lot of times, if you figured out the pun, you could overcome the encounter more easily. Uh, gotcha. there was one, the, the pun was go for the jug juggler instead of go for the jugular. And so the combat was against a circus troop, but the juggler in the corner never attacked. But if you attacked him, they would all stop fighting and try to protect him and g- get him away from you. So it was like one of those things where if they figured out <laughs> while they were playing and it was fun, we had a good time. Um, but I wanted to talk about Dungeon Call Classics because it's weird. Maybe I'm just really too familiar with D&D 5e. Uh, and other games I play are very easy. Like, even Numenera, it's 1d20. Like, everything feels really simple. And there's not a mm-hmm. lot that I have to look up. But Dungeon Call Classics, every time there's a crit, every time there's, like, something I'm, like, flipping. Oh, a fumble table. Okay. And I printed myself out little cheat sheets to help me still Mm -hmm. got lost and confused as to what was going on um and it was a lot of like just trying to figure out like well what are you trying to do and what's happening and i and then little you need your dungeon
1: master screen with all your well i do yeah that's what
0: you didn't yeah that's what you
1: did in back of the day
0: but then also (laughs) with uh dungeon crawl classics we were talking about um little things like well if i'm prone what happens? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Cause then all my friends are familiar with 5e. And so they're like, well, I would have advantage. I'm like, well, this game doesn't do advantage. (laughs) So I started doing like plus twos or I'd I'd Mm -hmm. bump the die up. Like, okay, you have a D24 to attack rather than a D20. Uh, And that works. But I was thinking like, I don't know what the official rule is. I'm kind of just making it up. And it made me think back to 5e. Was I this bad when I first started 5e? And maybe I was. (laughs) Maybe I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do, but I'll just use this rule right now and figure it out later kind of a thing, which is what they tell you to do. So, mm-hmm. but I definitely had that feeling. The more we're running it, they're level three now. So we're getting a little more like uh, robustness, I guess, to the to the yeah. system. And they're like, okay, yeah. Like it's not just a zero level funnel where you die and you move on kind of a thing. So,
1: And you have such a limited amount of things you could even do. You're doing creative things, but- On your sheet, there's only so many things. But by the time you get to a third level, now there's mechanics coming from a character that you've been building that now you do have to kind of know what's going on. Well,
0: and so we had had an idea where our thief was like, I want to pick this lock. And she tried and she failed. And then Mm -hmm. the halfling was like, well, can I do that? And I'm like, well, I don't want to say no because it feels like you should be able to, but that really is the reason she's a thief. Like if Mm -hmm. you don't have the thief... Like, yeah, I like mean, what can like, you pick a lock? I don't want to invalidate what she can do, and he was fine with it. He's like, Oh, okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And I'm like, Yeah, man, you're right. And but in 5e, it's always kind of like, Well, you can try, and like the barbarian's gonna be better
1: at breaking down the door, but anyone can yeah. really try, you know? Yeah. Anybody, yeah, yeah, but I think that that is that does show the difference between the games, right? The idea that DCC tries to be a little bit more. Retro. Realistic. But, I mean, obviously we're playing a fantasy game. I get that. But, I mean, it's a little bit more gritty, a little bit more, I don't even want to say physics affect you more. But you do because you don't have big sponges of hit points. You don't have, you know. Well, here's the thing is you can. They're rolling randomly for their hit points. Yeah, I guess so. I have
0: one player that has a maximum of 15 hit points at level 3, but I have another one that has a maximum of, like, 32 Ooh, like, there you go. it's crazy. And I like how <laughs> how varied it is because you yeah. play differently. You're like, okay, guys, like, I got to stay back. I got to do this. But the other person's like, ah, I got hit points for days. Like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, like little rules where we were trying to figure out, well, how do long rest work? And rules as written, you get one hit point back during a long rest. But that just doesn't seem to work for the type of adventure I want to run. So I've been telling them that they can r- roll their hit dice during a long rest and heal that much amount. So if they're level three, they're going to have like 3d8 that they can roll, and then they'll just heal that much amount for the night. And more often than not, it gets them uh, a-, a good enough cushion to adventure for the next day. So
1: <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I always thought DCC was more about survival, more about rules, about the 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 world you're in is harsh, and they want it to be harsh, and, and the things around you are harsh. Yeah. And... 5E these days is you're almost a superhero by the time you're a couple of levels in. I mean, you are so far above the farmer that you pass, you know, out in the field at that point that it's crazy. You're pretty much, you know, Batman walking by or Superman walking by. Well, yeah, by
0: you are a superhero even moonlight. at level 1, you, <laughs> you
1: know? know or whatever. So, and, whereas yeah. in DCC you're not. Like they they purposely know you're a dude with a pitchfork Mm-hmm. And your pitchfork broke. Yeah, <laughs> you're in trouble.
0: <laughs> Lots of fun though. We had some. We had a good time. They got a, a bunch of cool magic items from that dungeon. Um, we all had a, like a solid laugh. It was it was really fun. Um, that's actually one of the cool. things I was thinking of running easy d6 with you
1: guys. Is I could run you through the pungent, because it's very fun mm-hmm. and it's very simple. I'm trying so. to think if I should bring any of my books. The ones that maybe I have that you didn't get a chance to. Like I've got well do you want to run something for me GI joe or even even just just, i got lancer i've got learn alien in a week and then run it (laughs) you can just bring it we've got what else do we got over there we got all kinds of stuff i i bought uh Master was one another one i got a bunch of them over there so i wasn't sure i i know i want to bring um a couple of the just the game the board game stuff and we might not play any of it but i was just gonna i got yeah. a car so i can just throw whatever i want in there so i was like i'll throw a bunch of stuff in and see Sounds what happens good. spectaculars i got so many superhero games i don't you're not as much into the superhero ones not as much but they're still fun uh, urban um, shadows have you heard of that one i have that's a good one i got that right. i do want to play that one that um in our invisible sun chat that nobody else knows about they were talking about was it World of Dungeons? Is Lex yes. been talking about? That's been sounding pretty cool. Yeah. So World of Dungeons,
0: uh, there's is a Max going to Gen Con? He's not. I don't think. Oh, okay. I was hoping he was. Max. I guess I got, he hasn't talked about it, so I don't think he is. Um, but World of Dungeons is a, a free, easy, or a free D6 system that's out there. Um, or maybe it's no maybe it's a d20 system I don't remember we did a video on it me and Lex. Um, so if you're curious you can watch it the rules are completely them, free yeah. um, but what he's referring to is somebody took that really simple uh, game system and made an interesting like dungeon kind of like play setting around it So that's what he's really curious about because it's like this completely like silly kind of free game very simple dice and then all of a sudden it's like now I've got this complex world and he thought it was really cool so he's been wanting to run us through that um, which would be fun so
1: yeah it sounded really cool we um but i've got
0: too many games to play because that's happening i'm in dm nathan's game i'm supposed to be starting an eberron game for dm nathan and friends and uh now lex and a bunch of other people are pestering me to get the banana bunch back together for that stream. Yeah. And we're having scheduling conflicts, but I was like, it looks like that's going to start up again. And I'm like, I I think I can run one or two games a week. I mm-hmm. don't think I can do the four games that I, four to five games yeah. that I'm currently getting sucked into. And so <laughs> we'll
1: Is DM Nathan or any of that group going Gen Con? You got they're anybody not, from you know, that area?
0: They're uh, not. D&D Beyond was going to go to Gen Con, but mm-hmm. then they got bought by Wizards, and I don't think they're going anymore, which is kind of sad because uh, Nathan was going to go as a representative of D&D Beyond because he mm-hmm. works there and so he was going to have like a flight and a hotel paid for and it was oh, going to be nice. like I just have to work the D&D Beyond booth a couple times and I was like that sounds awesome we'll play all these games mm-hmm. um, but I, I get the feeling that PAX uh, West is going to be their big thing and he might oh. be going to that but I haven't heard So okay,
1: because we, we've met up with uh, Nate before. Yeah, WSD twenty eight. Nate. Nate yep. So I'm wondering if he's going. We um, uh, know Ted's
0: going, right? Ted's going. Um, Ted's going, for sure. Celeste will be there. She's in a couple of What about things. Kugo? Uh, Kugo is not going.
1: Kugo the Mighty.
0: He's going to Pax West, though. Oh. And uh, Professor Dungeon Master's going. I don't know Professor Dungeon <laughs> Master. Uh, he's got a fun YouTube channel that I've been watching. Um, but he's going to have like a Q&A thing. He set up a whole like kinda like what Monty Cook earned Monty Cook. Kind of Matt Coville did that one time where he had like oh, yeah. a you could buy tickets to go just like an adventure, ask him questions kind of like your, and he yeah panel. Um but the Mr. Professor Dungeon Master's doing that. I think Sly Flourish will be there. He goes all the time. So but it might it'll be a smaller convention I think. I there's less people going than I know. So it'll yeah. be a lot of uh well, And I think they saw tickets games. for
1: sale which usually means they... Because normally, back before the COVID, they would sell out. Yeah. And, you know, you were just out of luck. You'd have to wait until next year to get tickets. Now, I think you can even get tickets right now, and they haven't, they haven't sold out. So yeah. It's finding housing that's the problem. <laughs> so. I need more hotels in that area. Yep.
0: For sure. Just for so. that one night, which is sad. That can't be a... Or that week. <laughs> because yeah. other times, I'm sure they're just like, well, who wants to buy a hotel? Come on, guys.
1: Well, yeah, because you have... Well, the racetrack is up north of that for the Indianapolis five hundred, but then you have the Lucas Oil for the football games. So you got Indianapolis Colts. Oh, I guess the football games, yeah. So. I don't know where their basketball arena would be, but they have the Pacers somewhere there. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't I can't think of any other conventions. My company held their convention or we did a bring all our clients together in where Gen Con is two months ago. Oh wow. <laughs> so they sent a bunch of our employees down there and like, oh we're in Indianapolis. We're in this convention center. I'm like, God, I know that place. It looks weird when it's not Gen Con. Yeah. <laughs> so it was interesting that they we had actually bought that place to do our our convention for. Interesting. I'm excited. I can't wait. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to sleep for the next few days. Um, I've still got to work Monday and Tuesday. I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, that's going to be I have to distracted. work Monday, Tuesday as well. I, at least I was
0: like, <laughs> should I take all of Wednesday off or should I just do yeah. a half day? Cause my plane doesn't leave till like three. And I was like, no, I got to take the whole day off. Like that's dumb. So uh, yeah,
1: yeah. got to do that work.
0: Well, what's going on in Dungeon of the Mad Maze? So we
1: uh, we finished that level of drow. We defeated the fortress. You know, freed... Do you know the numerical level that you're on? The same as our level, I believe. 13 or 14. Okay. 14, I think, because we just hit 7 and 7. 14, I think right now our levels seem to be matching the level we which makes it confusing at most at, at a lot of times. <laughs> um, but we freed some troggledite we freed some goblins we freed a minotaur um we've added them to our troglodyte army that's on a level above that which we keep you know uh we have a lot of fun with propping up this we gave them the um we had found like a is it a circlet of intellect or a helm of intellect or something that boosts their their intelligence up so we gave it to the the chief of the troglodyte. so now he's not just you know in the in the game, they they make the troglodyte tribes like a tribe. They're not sophisticated, but you throw a you know a nineteenth uh, intelligence stat roll onto their leader, all of a sudden, well, come on, that's genius level yeah. stuff. So we've just and then we gave him magic armor and weapons so that he could protect his tribe, and like he's an ally of ours now. So I was like, there's just this interesting thing of us um, arming the troglodytes on this level to make them you know, but we keep thinking that this is going to be a bad thing because apparently troglodytes breed quickly and the whole stick behind it is you don't want them to be too smart because if they are they breed too quickly they'll take over and just you know it's like that whole idea of you know the swarm yeah just takes over if it gets out of control so we might be creating a troglodyte swarm that's going to be out of control all of a sudden because they're not you know not contained so but we'll laugh if that happens. Yeah. I think that'd be great. Um, man, so, if you're only
0: on level 14, I was just looking not to spoil, but there's 23 no, levels, 20 something other <laughs> like, levels. Yeah,
1: yeah, we got a ways to go yet. And you're, yeah, I think they, I know they, you're they like get smaller. I know you're mapping everything too, but like, man, these are yeah, weird. 100% map. That's the thing that's slowing us down yeah. a little bit. But we did level up, so that's the big news. I am now a seventh level arcane archer, which is okay. It's not. It's a okay class. It's not the best um it's i wish it was more like a hawkeye or i wish i had some more trick arrows to it or you got more of those it just kind of only gives you a couple and you never really get too many more Um, and i think there were a couple that were kind of useless too so you always kind of
0: feel shoehorned to use the like what kind of like yeah there's uh, like three like uh not this is a bad example but i'll use it so that people have a uh, the warlock always has to kind of rely the on Eldritch, Eldritch Blast. Blast.
1: Yeah, and it's like, it's, such a good spell.
0: it's like well, but I don't want to use it. It's like, well, then you're kind of like limiting yourself and how effective are you going to be in parties? Yeah. So. yeah,
1: exactly. So, but here's the best part. I am now a level seven Twilight Cleric. So seven archers, seven Twilight Cleric. And what do I get at that that makes me so happy, Jordan? I don't know. A domain spell. And guess what domain spell I get that makes me super happy? Uh, Tell me greater invisibility. Ooh. So now you can stay invisible. Yeah. I can shoot my arrows as an Aarakocra from hundreds of feet in the sky, completely invisible That's and fine. not break it. Oh my God. Broken. Now I have broken the game. Cause you'll have
0: advantage <laughs> on every shot. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: And they'll have disadvantage. And I don't even know if, I mean, how do you even technically anybody can try to shoot at anybody else. Right. And if they're invisible, you would get disadvantage when you're trying to attack them, but to me, that even seems like. Well, if you're hundreds of feet away, it's probably like. Yeah, yeah. What is double disadvantage or triple? Dis- you know. Well, I is- think
0: I would be like, okay, I know that it came from that area, mm-hmm. but uh, I would even roll. Maybe like you have a one in six chance of being allowed to roll the d20. You know, right. like let's say yeah. one in six chance, and you're like, okay, I rolled. You know a four on my one in six chance. It's like, well, mm-hmm. he did try to attack. We'll say that he did, but it's an automatic miss, you know? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't even know. I
1: had this problem when I was running um Or you Storm just say they don't thunder. have the range to do it, so who yeah. knows? <laughs> and I, I was running the Oni monster, which was really cool. And he was mm-hmm. using his invisibility because he could go in and out of it at will, but it would bra- it wasn't greater invisibility. It was regular invisibility. So when he would do things, he would come out of it, but then at will go back into it, and I kept thinking, you know, if he got to a certain range away from the players, I just felt like, no, you you just can't willy-nilly shoot and just hope for a disadvantage because some of those bonuses, like a barbarian who's raging gets, go ahead and give me disadvantage. Watch what I can do with all these pluses and dice. I can hit disadvantage left and right. I'll show you. And that didn't make sense to me. I'm like, no, you've got to somehow have a chance first to think they're in an area, then... Almost like a double thing, like, so first a perception check to say, do you know a general area, and that's good enough to give you a disadvantage shot, but if you don't even make the uh, the perception roll, I'm not even going to let you do the disadvantage roll. And it might have been harsh, but I felt like that's the only way to make that invisible creature meaningful and impactful and scare the players, and it did, because... That oni was coming in and out, and it hit him with that cone of cold, and then jumped out and disappeared, and then was kept coming at him and kept coming at him, and they were just like freaking out. And they finally beat him, and they worked together, and they did all the things you would want them to do. And they talk about that story all the time, even though I think I really ran the oni, not rules as written. I think I kind of but I you yeah, made it your own yeah. a little bit, but it made it a better encounter, right? Yeah. It just made it more memorable for them to be something that's in and out, in and out. You never know where it's at. And you're almost waiting for it to show again before you can try to do something. So,
0: I guess you need to really think about how you want to run invisibility because there's a part of me that's like, well, if you're invisible, um, I'm going to see your footsteps. I'm going to hear you. You could even Mm -hmm. say, are you invisible or are you predator invisible? Where it's like, Mm -hmm. I kind of get a sense of where you are. Shimmer. (laughs) And then disadvantage on a sword attack makes a lot of sense. Because like, I know you're there but I can't necessarily see you dodging out of the way, or you're just mm-hmm. like, am I hitting armor? Am I hitting a shield? Um, yeah. But if it's like, I'm not there True at all. invisible. and if you're yeah. an cochra where you're like hovering <laughs> yeah. or something and it's like, well, I can't see anything. You have no effect yeah. on it. Then it is kind of like, I don't know where that came from. So, yeah. yeah. But so, it's, that's, that's D and D. Like it's curious. all up yeah. for t- interpretation. And I guess you need to be like, well, I envision it like this. And it's like, oh. Mm-hmm. That's usually that conversation you have with your dm where you're like i'm basically untouchable and then they're like well i envisioned it more like this and you're like oh well then i don't <laughs> want that spell because it's not as that. powerful <laughs> as i thought it was so. yeah
1: yeah exactly yep, yep and uh i always would say here's here's my tip for that if you're going to run your creatures like that you have to be ready to let your players do that too so if yeah. you're going to come up with a a rule set or a yeah. fudge or a or a i'm going to let this happen with invisible creature stuff then if they get to be invisible, you really should let them have the advantages of that too that you've given. You know this other, or the maybe monster is are very special. Things. I don't know. Or... I'm not giving layer actions to my players yeah. just yet. So <laughs> they have their own. They just don't. They don't call them layer actions. They, yeah, they're called reaction and bonus action. <laughs> <laughs> too funny. Yeah. So. Very interesting. Cool. Uh, so that's what we're playing. I'm excited about that. I don't know if I'm going to play on Tuesday night, although I, the, the, everybody asked I'm like, you know, I probably won't be sleeping. So I what time are just you getting into stay. Indianapolis then? So I it's a three hour drive, about a three oh, and a half hour wow, drive. nothing. So I'm going to wake up at a normal time, <laughs> step into my car, drive over, and I'm probably going to be there midday-ish. Cool. Figure out the parking situation, and then just hang out and see what's going on. Nice there's not a lot that you can do on wednesday they're setting booths up they don't let you in that well room
0: the the area outside of gen con i feel like there's lots Everybody's of like parties there, yeah. that are going on because yeah. everyone's there mm-hmm. um but you're right it'll be fun to actually be there when the doors open kind of a thing because i don't think i've ever yeah. done that so i always end up getting there thursday evening and it's like well it's already been one day so
1: yeah oh you haven't been there when the the rush into the hall happens
0: yeah i haven't i haven't done that oh, yet that's really so. so good Uh, That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, We will not be back next week, as uh, we'll both be in Gen Con, but uh, if you're going to Gen Con, come and say hi. Uh, If you're in our Discord, we have a Gen Con uh, area, like a a a chat room in Discord. To mm-hmm. kind of like schedule meetups and just be like, hey, I need a player for this. Or, hey, it's not very big, I will be yeah. honest. But if you do join it, it will get bigger. So yep.
1: links and in the- And I bet we're on Twitter Discord. a ton. Yeah, we're like, on Twitter. Like, I'll be sending out pictures and saying, I'm over here. I'm doing that. So if you're following us on Twitter, you're pretty much going to be able to know what's going on for while sure. we're out there. Come say maybe.
0: hi. Uh, I mean, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. There's a couple of content creators that I was hoping were going. I don't know if they are, though.
1: Now well, I'm, usually there's like a meetup. Oh. We got to find if, where that's at. Because usually we've been to the creator meetup. That's the
0: thing is like uh, Unmade Gaming, Michael, used to th- organize that. I don't right. think he's going. So I don't oh, think maybe, he's organizing oh. it because he's a got a new to baby. Ted
1: so. And tell Ted <laughs> to organize it. He's good at that. He ah, can do that. <laughs> oh, I do, know,
0: I do know that the guys course, that run startplaying.games, um, okay. they're having a big party on Thursday night. They invited me to. And apparently they're going to order a bunch of food and drinks on the company credit card, is what he said. So <laughs> if I if I hear more information on that, I'll let you guys know. So. Nice. nice. Uh, if we ever have a
1: game company, we'll do that too. We'll yeah. <laughs> company food and parties.
0: Thank you so much for coming, guys. Uh, or, yeah, showing up and watching this live. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see you in a couple weeks, unless you're Gen Con bound. And we'll have lots to talk about after Gen Con, I'm sure. So, oh God, so uh, until then, take care. Bye, everybody. <laughs>